pray for the president of our Foursquare Church, Randy Remington. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to pray right now for our president. He's brand new. He started this year, Lord God, as our president. And what a crazy year to start his presidency, Lord God, with all of this that's going on around the world, with all the things that we as churches are facing around the world internationally, Lord God. Uh, Lord Jesus, he's got uh, a very... Uh, heavy responsibility, a big weight on his shoulders. He's going to definitely need your help, your guidance, your wisdom, your anointing to help guide the entire Foursquare Church family, Lord God, in the, in the direction that we need to go in. So we pray for him. We pray for his wife. We pray for his family. We pray, Lord God, that your will will be done in his ministry as president of the Foursquare organization. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Very good. Acts chapter 27, starting at verse number 1. It's a long section of Scripture because it's a little story. And uh, so follow along with me as I read the NIV version. It says this. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramithium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia. As we put out to sea, Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra and Lycia. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Snidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete, opposite Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lasia. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in. The majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. There was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long... A wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they could run aground on, a, on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. 
On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then we would have then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from, your head, from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Now this, as you know, is the first Sunday of 2021, and it is customary at the beginning of every year to make New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you guys have made any New Year's resolutions, but that's a customary thing to do. I looked up a list of the most common New Year's resolutions that we as people make, and these are the 10 top resolutions that people make. Number one, spend more time with family and friends. Number two, fit and fitness. Take care of your health and exercise. Number three, Tame the bulge. Over 66% of adult Americans are considered overweight. Like Pastor Jerry, we look pregnant 24-7, okay? Number four, quit smoking. On average, smokers try about four times before they quit for good. Number five, enjoy life more. Number six, quit drinking. Number seven, get out of debt. Number eight, learn something new. Number nine, Help others. Number 10, get organized. Now, sadly, as I went through this list, did you notice that these top 10 resolutions had nothing to do with spiritual improvement? 
or that God was not included. That's the way it is with many people around the United States and actually around the world. They don't include God or Christ in the picture of their lives. Maybe that's why we're in such a big mess today. I don't know, church. But this New Year's, I think that we can all agree, is different and it's unique. I believe that we can all agree that this is one of the most challenging New Year's beginnings in American history. We have had other difficult and painful New Year's. For example, during World War I, during World War II, during the Civil War, during epidemics like the polio epidemic and the measles and AIDS and smallpox. All of these were disastrous for our country, and it proved to be a very, very painful New Year's for many. And I don't know if any of you saw Times Square in New York City this year on, Chris, on uh, New Year's Eve 2021. But if you did, you noticed that Times Square in New York City was completely empty of people on 2021. Just a, a quick, and that's of course because of the COVID and the restrictions and stay-home orders and everybody was asked to please not congregate. Uh, another result of COVID, just uh, on the side note, uh, we bank at Bank of America, and uh, this week on Wednesday, I wanted to get our church deposit in before the, the year ended, before the 31st or before New Year's. And so on Wednesday, I went to Bank of America over here on Chatsworth, and uh, I went there, and it was closed. And it said they're closed uh, be, because of circumstances beyond our control. So then I went to the Bank of America because I wanted to get this deposit in to the one, to the Bank of America in Porter Ranch. And guess what? That one was also closed. And so I started to think to myself, oh my gosh, don't tell me that Bank of America is going bankrupt. Okay? All these crazy thoughts were going into my head. I said, oh, okay, I'm in a hurry, so I'm gonna, I'll try tomorrow again to see. Maybe it's just a fluke. So I went the next day. I went on Thursday because I wanted to get that deposit in. So the same thing. Chatsworth Branch was closed. Porter Ranch. Porter Ranch was closed. I said, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? And I went early, too. So then I went to the, the one on Reseda. When I went to the one on Reseda, thank God it was open. But there was a long, long line in the, into that bank. And so finally, when I went in, got in, I asked the lady, why are the uh, Chatsworth Branch and Porter Ranch uh, bank uh, outlets closed. And she says, why? Because the entire staff at Chatsworth and the entire staff at Port Ranch got COVID and we had to shut it down because there was nobody to work the bank. So we had to close it down. Okay. So this thing is affecting all of us in one way or another. Our churches, our hospitals, our schools, our courts, our banks, our small businesses, our restaurants are in constant flux because we have to adjust to changing regulations and restrictions. Other issues that are, are dampening the excitement of a new year. At the beginning of 2021, we have a presidential election and upcoming inauguration that is filled with intrigue and controversy. At the beginning of 2021, we have a nation that is seriously divided politically and ideologically in the beginning of 2021, we are still dealing with racial issues and struggles. 
Uh, and sadly, many, many uh, of our small businesses and, and schools and, 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 and all these things are, have closed down because they were not able to endure the losses that have been accumulated due to the COVID. One of these was uh, my daughter Jamie's uh, school that she was working at. She was working at a school called Monarch Christian School, and they were looking forward to a great year. Uh, but then the COVID thing hit, and they actually had to shut down the whole school. They lost the school. This plague has caused many to be depressed be discouraged, frustrated, anxious, insecure, paranoid, fearful, panicky, angry, hurt, in despair, feel, feeling in darkness, and at times suicidal. Parents and single parents are having to navigate uh, their kids at home and having their kids uh, having to deal with school and computers and Zoom classes and work and all this stuff. And most devastating of everything is that many people have lost their health, and their lives. Many people during this holiday season are sad because they've lost loved ones that are very dear to them. Many of us are still vulnerable and in danger of losing our health and our lives because we are now learning that this virus is mutating and becoming even more contagious than it was before. So we're still in a lot of danger. There's still a lot of problems. So this year is unique because we are beginning this year in the middle of a very dangerous and life threatening storm called COVID. And the reality is that we are not able to determine when and if this storm will end. We don't know when or if things will ever get back to normal. We don't know when we will be able to say goodbye to these masks. We don't know when we will be able to freely hug each other and shake hands with each other. We don't know when we will be able to go back to the times where we won't have to sanitize everything, when our kids will be able to go back to school and feel comfortable in school, and the teachers will feel comfortable in school and, and, and have classes. We don't know the next time that we'll be able to fill our churches to capacity where people will be able to come and feel safe and feel protected and, and feel uh, and not feel vulnerable or, 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 or in danger of sickness. We don't know when we're going to be able to watch a basketball game at Staples Center. We don't know when we're going to be able to go to Dodger Stadium and watch the Dodgers play. We don't know if the Rams are ever going to play, if we're ever going to see the Rams play at SoFi Stadium, their brand new stadium. Today, we're going to find out if the Rams are really Rams or if they're going to be lamb chops. Today, we find that out. And we begin this year, as we begin this year, we really don't have any answers to many of these questions. So in our New Year's resolutions for this year, I would say that it's a lot different than normal. Would you agree with me? Can you say amen, church? Let's look at that list again. I just want to say, I just want to go through it really quick. First resolution, the most common is, Spend more time with family and friends. Listen, because of COVID and the stay-home orders, people are getting sick and tired of being with family. They want to get out. It says, fit and fitness. I, have, I personally have not been to a gym since March of last year. That's my excuse for being overweight. I don't know what yours is. It says, tame the bulge. I've always been overweight, and I'm continuing to overweight, and I'm helping, asking God to please help me. Quit smoking. People are smoking more because of COVID. Enjoy life more. People are more miserable because of COVID. Quit drinking. People are drinking more because of COVID. Get out of debt. People are more in debt because now their rents are piling up. Their mortgages are piling up. All their bills are piling up because they can't pay for anything. How many of you know that that list has changed dramatically? Can you say amen? I think all of us are saying, man... 
I am determined for 2021 just to survive this COVID storm. But for those of us who are in Christ, aren't you glad that you are a Christian here this morning, church? For those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who are born again, for those of us who are children of God, for those of us who have learned to trust in Jesus, there is one thing that we can count on. We can count on God being faithful to take us through this storm, however long it lasts. We believe that our God is faithful to take us through this storm and this year. Why? Because he's done it last year. He did it the year before that. And he did it the year before that. And here we are in victory because of Jesus here today, church. Now, I think we can all agree that being in a storm is very scary, especially if you're in a very bad storm. If you are driving and it's raining or snowing so hard that it's hard for you to see in front of you, listen, that is very scary. If you're driving and it's so foggy that you can't see the front hood of your car, if you've ever been in that situation, I want to let you know it is very scary. I've been there, driving in the fog, can't see the hood in front of me, and I'm on the freeway. If I stop, everybody crashes into me. If I keep going, I may crash into somebody else. It's a scary, scary feeling because you're going blind. You're going and you're, you're totally blind. If you're on a ship out in the ocean or on a lake and the ship is being tossed by the winds and the waves are lunging you upward and, and downward, or if you're in the middle of the ocean in an iceberg field, let me tell you, that is very scary. So as we begin the year 2021, the best advice that I can give all of you right now is to hold on to Jesus. Keep your focus on Jesus. We should be doing this anyway, even when we are not in a storm. Because as Christians, we are to follow the teachings that we find in the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we live by faith and not by sight. We can't let this COVID thing get us off, off, our, off track. We have to stay focused on the Lord. Can you say amen, church? That's our responsibility as Christians. That's why I'm glad today that I know Jesus. I do feel bad for those that don't. That don't have a clue about who God is or have a relationship with God or have any experience with God or know how faithful God is. It's terrifying living your life in a storm without God. That's a terrifying experience. The Bible is filled with many stories of people who were caught up in storms. The Bible tells us that all of us, every human being, whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, you will go through storms in your life. Some storms in our life are caused by our own disobedience to God, like the storm that Jonah was in. And maybe this storm is because of our disobedience as Americans or as people in the world. I don't know. Some storms in our life are caused by others and are of no fault of our own, like this storm that the Apostle Paul was in. You see, the Apostle Paul tried to warn the people not to sail because it was a very dangerous time of the year to sail. In Acts chapter 27, verses 9 through 11, Paul tried to warn them before they took off. He said in verse 9, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is Yom Kippur, which is the beginning of winter. And that's, of course, when all the storms hit. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion 
instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. The storm that almost took their lives could have been avoided if they would have listened to the apostle Paul. But through no fault of his own, Paul didn't do anything wrong. He was a prisoner. He was in chains. He had no authority. He was not. Re- he had no recognized position of power. He was a prisoner. So the apostle Paul found himself in a very terrible storm that was threatening his life and the lives of all 276 people that were on the ship. And he had nothing to do with it except that he had to flow with it as best as he could. Now, there's a key verse in this section of Scripture that tells us what the crew did in the middle of the storm that kept them from being destroyed. And this key Scripture that we're going to try to focus on is in Acts chapter 27, verse 29. And it says this, in Acts 27, 29, it says this, Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. The Bible tells us that the crew dropped four anchors from the stern of the ship, which is the rear or the back of the ship. Now, I don't know anything about sailing. I even had to look up what the word stern means because I had no, no understanding of ships. I have no experience with it. So I don't know uh, anything about sailing or ships or boats or navigating the oceans. But I do know that all sailing vessels have to have an anchor. And I always assumed that they only had one anchor. And the Bible tells us here that this storm was so severe that they needed four anchors to hold the ship in place. Well, guess what, church? We in America are in a storm. This is a big storm that is affecting the whole world. And, we, and if we want to survive this storm, we're going to need to anchor ourselves to the rock of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. Did you hear what I just said? You better get yourself anchored. You better get yourself anchored. Not with one anchor. Not with two anchors. Not with three anchors. But in this section of Scripture, we will discover that the Holy Spirit is recommending four anchors that will keep us safe and alive. Now, if I were to ask you publicly, what do you think the first anchor would be? I believe that most of us would probably say prayer. When you find yourself in a storm, it is natural to start to pray. Anybody with me? Anybody on the same wave? I mean, right away, as soon as trouble hits, boom, I pray. Right away. If I get scared, I pray. It's just a natural instinct. I start to pray immediately when I feel or sense danger or trouble or any kind of problems. So it's our instinct, especially if we're Christians, we're connected to the Holy Spirit With our spirit, it's instinct just to start praying when you feel that you're in a storm. Even unbelievers and self-proclaimed atheists pray when they find themselves in a storm. I don't know if you've heard the saying, uh, there are no atheists in foxholes. In other words, if you're in a battle and you're getting bombed, you're going to cry out to God for help. Now, it is good. It is good for us to cry out to God when we are in a storm. Did you hear what I just said? It is a good thing. 
It's not a bad thing. It is a good thing for you and I to cry out to God when we find ourselves in a storm. It is good for us to pray when we are in trouble. It is good for us to pray when we are scared. It is good for us to pray when we are in a crisis. It is good for us to pray when we are afraid or terrified or overwhelmed and we don't know what to do. Praying in a storm or in a crisis is a good thing. It is a wise thing. As a matter of fact, I hope and I pray that America is returning to God as I speak through prayer. That this crisis, that this COVID thing, that all this death, that all this devastation, that all of this chaos is causing people to start to cry out to God more and more. Now, I don't have any stats. I don't know what's going on. But for our nation's sake, I hope that our nation is is, is praying more and more and more and trying to connect with God more and more and more. That's what I pray for. Prayer is a good thing. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 24. It says this. One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they started out. As they were sailing, Jesus fell asleep. Suddenly a strong wind blew down on the lake. And the boat began to fill with water so that they were all in great danger. The disciples went to Jesus and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we are about to die. Jesus got up and gave an order to the wind and to the stormy water. They quieted down and there was a great calm. You see, church, it is a good thing for you and I to cry out to Jesus in the middle of a storm because he has the power to calm the storm instinctively. I don't know how people know, even ungodly people, even people who claim to be proud and stubborn and arrogant and don't need God, even they instinctively know that when they're in trouble, they can call on Almighty God to help them. Because they know instinctively that he's the only one big enough and great enough and powerful enough to stop the storm and to calm it down. As much as they brag, as arrogant and prideful as they may be, they know deep down inside that there is a mighty God who is in control of all things. And they know deep inside that he's the only one that can help them when they call on him. They know it instinctively, church. Believe me, I still remember when I was in the world. And I still remember when I would get in trouble. And even in my sin, in my rebellion, in my pride, in my arrogance, when I was in trouble, when I got scared, I still cried out to God. But we should not begin to pray when we're in a storm. We as Christians should be praying before the storm even comes. This is where we miss it. We as Christians. Now, the people of the world, they have an excuse to cry out to God only when they're in trouble. You and I who know God, who claim to know God, who claim to have a relationship with God, we have no excuse. We should be praying before the storm even comes. This is why I'm not going to include this as one of the anchors. This is not one of the anchors. Prayer should be a daily part of our lives. Prayer keeps us humble. Prayer keeps us grounded. Prayer keeps us stable. Prayer keeps us at peace. Prayer puts us in our place. Prayer keeps us in communion with God. 
Prayer keeps our heart open and soft and able to adjust, make adjustments. Prayer gives us opportunity to examine and to repent and to rejoice and to celebrate and to praise and to, and to give glory to God. Prayer should be a natural part of our lives. Prayer is our love language with God. Prayer is our time of intimacy with God. Prayer is our time of sharing friendship with God. Prayer should not only happen when you are in a crisis and you think that you are going to die, but prayer is you and Jesus cruising in a convertible on a beautiful sunny day down PCH. Prayer is you and Jesus sailing along the shores of Malibu on a beautiful yacht on a sunny day with a gentle breeze blowing and you and Jesus are just enjoying yourselves, enjoying the day. Every day should begin with prayer and every day should end with prayer. Prayer should be a constant in the, in the bad times, in the storms, but also in the good times. Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Psalm 91.1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You and I need to make it a habit to hang out with Jesus daily. Daily. Even during the day, when you're driving, when you're at work, have conversations with Jesus. Jesus, I don't know what to do. Jesus, I don't know whether I should turn right or left. Jesus, there's a traffic. I mean, there's constantly things happening, and you need to make decisions. Bring Jesus into the conversation with you. So before we even begin to mention the first anchor, I want to encourage all of us here today, if prayer is not part of your daily routine, let's make it a priority for 2021. And after this COVID storm is over, my prayer will be that prayer will be a natural part of your life for the rest of your life, not only during times of crisis, but invite Jesus to be involved when your days are great, when your days are good, when your days are normal, when your days are boring, bring Jesus in. So what is the first anchor that we want to talk about? Well, let's see what the Bible tells us about how bad and dangerous and deadly this storm actually was. In Acts chapter 27, verses 13 through 20, listen to what it says here. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long... A wind of Hurricane Katrina force, it doesn't say Katrina in there, but a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. How bad was this storm? 
Well, in verse 13, the Bible says that they began their journey on, the car, on this cargo ship and everything was calm and everything was cool. In verse 14, the storm hits with hurricane force and I'm going to call it Hurricane Katrina force. It was a bad hurricane. In verse 15, the storm is driving the boat. This means that the captain and the crew have lost total control. Things are out of control. The ship and crew are at the mercy of the hurricane. And now things have gotten scary because they're totally out of control. The boat is going along with the hurricane, being tossed about according to whatever the hurricane says. And it is very scary. In verse 16, they tried to get on lifeboats to a small island called Cauda. But the storm was so severe and dangerous and out of control that they were not even able to lower the lifeboats. They were not able to have visitors in the the hospital. They were not able to get a vaccine. They were not able to have any visitors in convalescent homes. They were isolated. They were alone. They were abandoned out in the ocean in the middle of the storm. In verse 17, they passed ropes underneath the ship from side to side all the way from the front to the back in order to keep the ship together and to keep the ship from being ripped apart by the force of the storm. They also lowered one anchor, but that one anchor was not enough so that the ship continued to be driven by the storm out of control. In verse 18, it tells us that the ship was still being severely battered and they threw out their cargo into the ocean. All of their precious, valuable, expensive possessions that were obtained with such sacrifice and hard work and sweat and love, they were now being thrown out. In verse 19, they threw all the ship's tackle out into the sea. Anything that was not fastened to the ship was thrown out except for a little bit of food in verse 20 the bible tells us that even after all of this even after they had thrown everything out that was of any value after they had thrown out all material goods that were of any importance and necessity the storm did not stop the storm did not lighten up the storm continued to drive them uncontrollably they didn't know if it was daytime or nighttime because they could not see the sun or the stars all they saw was darkness day after day after day Day after day, the storm was raging, and all they saw was darkness and darkness and darkness. They could not see the sun. They could not see the moon. They could not see the stars. They didn't know if it was night. They didn't know if it was day or afternoon. They were out of control. They were lost. They were at the mercy of the winds and the waves and the destructive force and the power of the storm. It did not let up. They were being driven from place to place and had absolutely no idea where they were or where they were going or what to do or where they would go end up. And how this would all end, verse 20 tells us that the storm got so bad that everyone gave up hope. Let me read the last part of verse 20. It says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. I wonder, does the word we also include the apostle Paul? Does the word we also, also include this mighty man of God that we know as the Apostle Paul? Does the word we include this great man of faith known as the Apostle Paul? The one whom the Holy Spirit used to write one-third of the New Testament. Does it mean that he too had lost all hope of being saved. Did Paul think or believe that he too was going to die, that this was his end, that he was going to meet his maker? I believe 
that even he, the Apostle Paul, believed at this moment that he was going to die. Let me tell you why. If we go back to Acts chapter 27, verse 10, listen to what it says. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. Does it sound right there that the Apostle Paul thought that if they were going to go on this journey, that it would end up costing them his life? What do you think, church? I think that in his mind, he thought and he believed and he concluded that if they go on this journey, he thought in his own head, in his own heart, in his own mind, that he was going to end up dying. And after he saw what he was going through and what everybody was going through and all the stuff that they were trying to do and that they were totally out of control, that they were totally in darkness, that they were being tossed all over the place, I think that even he, the great Apostle Paul, lost all hope to be saved. Verse 20 tells us that the storm was bad. The storm was so violent. The storm was lasting so long. The storm was so powerful. The storm was so devastating. The storm was so destructive. The storm was so demoralizing. This storm was so scary and dangerous that they all, all, including the Apostle Paul, lost hope of being saved. But then something happens in verses 21 through 23 that leads us to the first anchor. Acts chapter 27, verses 21 through 23 says this. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and lost. Church, if we would only listen to Jesus, if we would only follow the word of God, think about how much damage and loss we would save ourselves. How much pain and hurt we would save ourselves. If we would only listen to God and do what he tells us to do. Let me read it again. Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Don't play games with the devil. Don't mess with what he has to offer you. Resist it. Stand firm in your faith in Jesus. Live your life for the glory of God. Stand up for what is right. Don't fall into his deceptions and his lies and his traps. It leads to death. It leads to damage. It leads to loss. It leads to all kinds of pain and, and heartache and brokenness. It's not worth it. Listen to the Lord. Stay with Jesus. No matter how hard things get, no matter how terrible things get, no matter how dangerous things get, no matter how dark things get, stay with Jesus. Stay faithful to him. Man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. 
But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. This is the first anchor. And next Sunday, we'll tell you what it is. Because we've run out of time. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're beginning a brand new year, Lord. We're going to have to make a lot of decisions, a lot of choices. When we wake up tomorrow, it's going to be Monday. We're going to have to go to work or school or do whatever we got to do. And we're in a storm. We are in a storm. And we, as far as I can tell, do not know or cannot see the end of this storm. We don't know how this is going to end up. Things are not getting better. They're getting worse. So, Lord, I pray that we will anchor ourselves to you starting right now. If we haven't already, that we would do it right now. And that we would start listening to you, Lord, and honoring you and following you, and submitting to you, and cooperating with you, and partnering with you as we navigate through these dark times that we're living in right now. Lives are literally at stake right now. People are dying. People are very sick. We see the reality of all the prayer requests that we had here this morning, Lord. A whole long list of prayer requests people who are in very serious trouble and they need help. Lord Jesus, help us to know and understand that you are the only true source of help. Not the president, not the vaccine, not the hospitals. All of these things are great and they're good and they're wonderful, but they cannot compare to you. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this morning, you are not a Christian. And you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here, just lift up your hand. Those of you online, if you want to receive Jesus, just say this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to begin this year, 2021, with you on my team. Lord Jesus, I understand that I am a sinner. I've tried to live my life my own way. But today, I acknowledge that I need you as my Lord and my God, and my Savior. You're the only one that can forgive me and that can help me. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, and I ask you to be the Lord of my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.